This is a Life Source Ministries teaching by Paul Drury. Be built up in your faith as you listen. Many could do with some restoration. Amen. <laughs> well, I'm going to keep keep talking on restoration again this evening. Um, we have we have been talking on suddenly, and it's it's led this way of getting down to restoration. And you know, we we ended up getting here by looking at Philip and seeing how that he was transported from one place to another. And we started looking at acceleration and how that God can God can bring change. We looked and we seen you know that that God can redeem time and all of them things. He can give us back the years that the locusts have eaten. God is a great restorer. And um, when you read the Bible, as we've said, when you read it, you see that the whole book is about restoration. Adam had an amazing relationship with God, and I always like to look at it like it's like as if he had um, a tray with perfect cutlery all laid out, and he dropped it and everything went everywhere. But you know what? Jesus came to bring restoration again and bring order back. And you know what? We, we looked last week and we seen in Luke chapter 4 that that's what Jesus came and he proclaimed. He, he proclaimed that he was going to start bringing change to people's lives. And, um, and the religious were not happy. And you, you find out that not everybody's happy to hear a message that actually affects people's lives in a positive way. Not everybody wants to hear that message. A lot of religious people don't want to hear that message. See, like even talking on restoration, people think, oh, it's, there's a lot more to it than talking about things like that, you know. Yes, we talk about it, everything. We talk about many things to do with the gospel, but I'm telling you, one of the things Jesus came to do was to bring restoration to people's lives. And um, you know what, in dying for us, he has restored that relationship to the Father. But you know what, even in that, we still have a mind that needs to be renewed. And we live in a body. It's just like Samuel was saying there, you know, a dirt bag. That's really what the body is. It's, 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 it's a, a, a bundle of, of dirt. Uh, but you know what, one day we're not going to be in a, this dirt body. One day we are going to be in a resurrected body. So ultimately you look at the Bible from start to finish. You can see chaos. You see with Adam a, a, a massive like car wreck, absolute disaster, a real wreck. But when you get to the end, you see that we are totally restored. You know, we were talking during the week and Donna says, I'm not, I'm not really too keen on that, on that um, illustration of, you know, being, just being fixed. And, um, you know, and, and there's that aspect of it, you know, where it would look like we're just being fixed. But really, you know what, we're, we're, it's not going to be like that we are just being, you know, getting plasters put on us or, you know, like... Um, when they used to put newspapers over the cars and plaster them in and, you know, <laughs> it was just a, 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 a quick spray. Ultimately, we're going to be totally new. We're already new in our spirit, a new species that never existed before. But you know, what? we're going to have a brand new body that cannot die. So, you know what, when we thought about it more, you know, we're not just talking about just being... Um, you know, just being restored in that manner. It's a good illustration, but it doesn't give a full picture. And so what Donna was trying to, to say that to me was, you know what, I don't like that illustration because really, you know, we're not just fixed up. And we're not just fixed up. It's not like, you know what, we're done by a, a body repairman. We're, we're totally new. When we stand before God, I'm telling you, we're going we're gonna to just be like Jesus. Amen. We're just going to be like him. We're not Jesus, but we're his, we're his brethren. We're born out of the same womb. 
And um, the Bible lets us know, just like we bore the image of Adam, let me tell you, we're not going to bore the, bore the image of Adam in eternity. We're going to bore the image of God in eternity. And so it's, it's amazing what a, what, a, what a transformation it's going to be. We're in the process of that. But thank God for the restoration that we can experience in life. Do you know what? Anything that's been taken from us, just putting it this way, God's in the business of getting it back for us. And he's ultimately paid the price for that through Jesus Christ. But the Bible's full of restoration. When you go and read Romans chapter 8, you'll see that, you know what? That's, that's what it's all about. One day we're going to be before God glorified in a glorified body. So it's a process until we get there. But here's the thing. You see, once you make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, you're on that track. Amen? Because we're saved in here. That's a done deal. We're sealed with the Holy Ghost. There's a part of you that is perfect, the Bible says. We can look in the mirror and say, perfect? We don't look perfect. You know, we can all look at things that, that need improvement in our lives when we look in the mirror. Um, but you know what? There's a part of you that's perfect and that is your spirit. We are complete in Christ. Amen. Totally complete. You know what? And, and I'll tell you something else. Your spirit is not... It's not like your spirit has to grow up. You hear this stuff sometimes. Our spirit's complete. Really, spiritual growth takes place in our mind. That's really where you grow and you mature the more you renew your mind. But you know what? You are a ch ultimately a child of God. You're as righteous as you'll ever be. Your, ri your righteousness is not improving through growth. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In your spirit, you are as holy as you'll ever be. Some people say, saying, oh, I need to be holy to come before God. If you realize you are as holy as you will ever be in your spirit, you don't come before, you don't have access to God because of your exterior. You have access to God because of your interior, because you have been born again and you have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you. You're as holy in your spirit as you will ever be. I'm telling you, there's not even a trace of sin in your spirit. Not a trace. You're sealed with the Holy Ghost onto the day of redemption. All growth takes place in our mind as we renew our mind to, to the Word of God. That's where the growth takes place. It's, it's we're finding out what has already been done. We're finding out what we already have. We already have it. Everything is ours in Christ Jesus. But we have to find out about it. That's what the, the renewing of the mind is all about. Praise God. So our spirit is totally um, saved, totally sanctified. Praise God for it. Amen. And then we have our mind that we're working on. But you know what? One day the Bible says we're going to know even as we are known. We know in part now. But when we see him face to face, I'm telling you, we're going to have clear full um, um, knowledge when we see him face to face and then praise God we're going to have a glorified body one day but thank God along the journey we can believe God for restoration along the journey and anything that's been taken from us we can believe God to get it back amen, amen. God's in the business of getting back what was stolen from us Praise God. Amen. So um, we ended up last week, we were looking at that great story over in um, Kings. And we were looking at the um, Shunammite woman. Um, that woman that had her son raised from the dead. 
and how that then Elisha, Elisha came to her later and told her that there was going to be a famine in the land and to get out of the land and she went into the land of the Philistines for seven years and you know what during that seven years she lost absolutely everything and she missed out on a harvest for seven years because of the famine that was in the land but you know what once the famine was over she headed back and um, she went back to cry on to the king for her land back. Now, the Bible says, we looked at it last week, that the Bible says that there has to be someone that cries restoration. Amen? Somebody has to declare it. So this woman, she went back to the king, uh, went to the king, and she, um, she was coming to cry for her land. But it was amazing what a setup we looked at last week, how that God had this thing all set up, where um, Gehazi, he was in there talking to the king and the king started asking him about the miracles of Elisha and, and, and tell me some of the great things that Elisha has, has done through the power of God. And he starts to talk about this woman and her son being raised from the dead. And the next thing this woman, she comes in and she starts crying for her land back. And you know, the, Gehazi looks around and says, ah, there's a, see the woman I'm telling you about, that's her there. It was just a pure setup. And the, and the Bible says that the king appointed an officer to make sure that she got back everything that was stolen from her. That was her land. That was the harvest. That was everything. She got everything back. God's interested in every aspect of our lives. Amen. You know what? When we've, when we've had peace leave our lives, God's interested in not coming back. Amen. When we've lost our joy, God's interested in not coming back. When people have had relationships that have been taken out of their life, God's interested in restoring relationships. And you know what? If a relationship can't be restored, God will get you an even better relationship, something that you could only, you know, dream of. Amen. Sometimes people leave our lives and it hurts at the moment. And you know, people have choice. People can stay out of your life. Forever, But I'm telling you, God can restore relationships. He can either restore that relationship um, um, or else he can restore you with, into a, a different relationship to where you actually, what you get out of that relationship is better than this one. Hasn't God done it with, with people in marriage? Hasn't God given people marriages that were better than anything they ever had but, but previous? There's people who have been in marriages and, and they've, they've been um, affected or broke down because of, you know, one thing or another, sexual relationships or whatever, and you'd be heartbroken, you'd be crushed, and you think, can I, can I ever have joy again? Can I, could I ever have my emotions fixed again? You know, with everything that you go through, and you know, God can give you a better relationship. Amen. But you see, it's, it's, it's staying in that place of God, looking to God and saying, God, I, I receive restoration from you. See, we can, be, we can be a rack in life or else we can come to the greatest restorer of all and just cry out restoration. God can give you your peace back, your joy back. Amen. God can give you things that have walked out of your life. He can give you them back. But we'll see in a moment, not even just back, back better. Amen. I feel like Donald Trump. <laughs> Build back better. <laughs> no, but God, God can, um, can give you it back better. Amen. Maybe I wasn't Trump's slogan. It was somebody else's slogan. Maybe, but, but you know what? God is in the business of giving you back better. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you, Jesus came to give us an abundant life. 
and abundant life. And that doesn't mean to say that we never face problems in life. Sometimes people just get things all, all screwed up. Let me tell you, we, we build our lives on the rock. Amen? We build our lives on the rock so we were prepared for life because there's storms out there that do come. But I'm telling you, when we're built on the rock, let me tell you, when we build our lives on Jesus and build our lives on his word, when the storm passes over, we're still standing. Amen? So it's not that we put our head in the sand. Sometimes people have that mentality. I can remember when I got saved and I heard, I heard faith being taught first. I thought faith meant you never had problems anymore. Yeah. I had this image of going down, you know, the, the, the canal and somebody rowing you. You didn't even have to row. Somebody, somebody rowing you, me just sitting back drinking Coke and just enjoying the sun. And then the first problem came and then I realized, oh, faith, faith actually can bring you through the storm. Amen. So, praise God for, for restoration. Now, let me, let me just look at another story here this evening over in Nehemiah for a second here this evening. And you know, we could go and look at everything to do with, with, with Nehemiah here in this story. And you know how God put in his heart to go and rebuild the walls and, and, you know, and, and everything that he went through. But you know what, here's part of the, the, the story here of, of Nehemiah. Because while they're out there building the walls and doing, doing the work of God, and, and you know, here's the thing as well, they had enemies whenever they were doing, it's the same thing. See, when you're in faith, there's enemies out there as well. You, know, you need to know the enemies of your faith. There is enemies. And there was two guys, Sambalat and Tobiah, and they really were putting pressure on them. But see, see they were putting pressure on them from without. So sometimes you can face pressure from without. But you know what? Sometimes you can also face pressure from within. Okay? Now, that's really where the two enemies come from and problems come from. You can have problems from without or you can have problems from within. You know, Paul said even of the church, he says, watch because there's going to be wolves that will rise up within. There's going to be people, false teachers, different things that they're going to come up from within. So you can be facing pressure from within and also pressure from without. And that was what, what started to happen here. Um, so these people are, are, are building the walls and then they end up in a difficult situation. People start, start having pressure and they're dealing with this enemy from without that's trying to mock them and make fun of them and, you know, saying to them things like, you know, what you are building? Oh, that's a joke. You know what? A fox, if a fox stood in that wall, it would fall down. Look at these idiots trying to build walls out of the rubble. Look at the state of them. That's the way they're, they're talking. And sitting, standing there eating their, their cheese and onion tato crisps, eating them and standing back and just making fun of them. They were like the comedy show. And sometimes people can treat us like the comedy show. You know, they want to just stand and make fun of us as believers for what we stand for and believe for and all of those kind of things. And that's pressure from without. So they were facing that. But then what happened was, I'll read it in a second here, there was, there was a dearth in the land. There was a shortage. And um, their own brethren started taking advantage of them. And you know, I always say, you haven't been hurt until you've been hurt by a Christian. Does they smile at you and quote scriptures while they're, <laughs> while, they're, while they're hurting you? You haven't been hurt until you've been hurt by a Christian. But same thing, I'm telling you, Jesus is an expert on healing all hurt. No matter who hurts us. 
So there was a shortage. And um, these people ended up, they had to sell off everything just to stay alive. Because their own brethren who were rich started taking advantage of them. The people in position and power started taking advantage of vulnerable people. And they were, they were their own brethren. And they were taking advantage of them. They were kicking them when they were down. Um, and then what happened was then on top of that, then they, had, um, they still had to pay taxes to a foreign king. So they were being squeezed from every angle. You know, sometimes you can feel like that in life where you're being squeezed from every angle where the people who should be encouraging you aren't. They're actually condemning you or pointing the finger at you and you're like... <laughs> but you know what? Jesus will never let you down. Amen. Jesus will always look after you. Well, in your journey of walking with God, there's going to be times when you're going to be heartbroken. There's going to be times when you'll cry till there's no more tears left to cry. But I'm telling you, you can encourage yourself in the Lord. And here's the thing, God will never let you down. Amen. Praise God, never, ever, 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 ever let you down. Amen. Now, this is the backdrop here. I don't want to get into it too much. But look here in um, Nehemiah 5 and verse 1. It says, And there was a great cry of the people. This is talking about the Jewish people. And of their wives against their brethren, the Jews. Do you see that? See, now they had problems without, but now they're having problems within. This would be like us saying, you know, Christian against Christian. This would be like reading the book of um, 1 Corinthians where you see that they're, they're misusing each other. Even though there's a wonderful, great things going on in that church as well, but they still they're lacked a lot of love. And verse 2, it says here, For there were that said, We are sons and our daughters are many, therefore we take up corn for, um, for them, that we may eat and live. And some also there were that said, We have mortgaged our lands, vineyards, houses, that we might buy corn. Look at this, because of the dearth. So, you know what, there's pressure. These guys are doing the work of the Lord, okay? They're working, doing the work of the Lord. They have enemies from without. Now they're facing pressure from within. They're, and they're serving God. Have you, ever, have you ever been there and you've said, you know what, God, I'm just serving you and everything's going wrong. <laughs> we have an enemy. And the devil can use, use even believers that are carnal, that are selfish. And sometimes we, we can think, God, do you even care? Let me tell you, God cares. We can cast all our worries on him because he cares for us. He loves us. But you know what? It, it can be difficult when you're doing the right thing and you're putting your heart and soul into the move of God, but then you have to leave and go home and face the bills or face the pressure. You know, the wives were at home here and you have to go home and the wives are saying, how am I going to do the dinner? How am I going to look after the kids? Understand? That's what was happening. And then what happened then, they started to have to sell off their houses and sell off their lands. And they're cutting everything off and it's, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And then look at this here in verse 4, it says, There were also that said, we have borrowed money for the king's tributes. So there's a shortage, they're selling off their stuff, yet they're being squeezed from this government that is over them. They're, they're under a, a foreign government at this time and they're putting the squeeze on as well. That's what you call being squeezed from every angle. 
That's what the Bible talks about. When the Bible talks about affliction, that's what affliction is. Affliction means to be squeezed <laughs> from every angle. You know, when you have the word in you, the Bible says persecution and affliction arises for the word's sake. It's doing everything to get you off the word. Let me tell you, when the pressure and the squeeze is on, never let go of that word. Never let go of your faith. Never let go of the, the, your confession. Right in the middle of the storm, stick, take a hold of the word of God. Like that pit bull terrier faith where you latch on and you do not let go to the promises of God. Um, but this is, this is what you see in here. This is a real squeeze. And verse um, 5, it says, Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren. And, you know, and, and they go through all of this here. Let me just... Um, let me look verse 6 here. This is Nehemiah. It says, And I was very angry when I heard their cry and these words. Nehemiah, he was angry at this. Because it was the Jewish people, their own brethren, that were taking advantage of the vulnerable at this stage. And they were taking advantage of a difficult situation. And Nehemiah is like, guys, we are doing the will of God here. There's more important things to be going on here than trying to, to um, uh, um, take advantage of people. Our focus at the minute should be building these walls. And you know what, for all of us, our focus, no matter what we face in life, should be focused on putting our hand to the plow and not looking back. Staying focused on what God has for our lives, not missing a beat. You know what, you learn after a while, when you go on in your Christian walk, you learn after a while that pressure comes, you know, things can press on you, you can feel the press, but you keep looking forward and you don't back off what God has for you, because I tell you, everything that comes through as a sell-by date on it, it's going to be over. You look, we were in that pandemic and lockdowns and everything there for two years and I, and I tell you, even coming up to Christmas, naturally it looked like, are we ever going to see an end to this? Are we ever going to see an end to all of this? And you know what? And things changed. I know things changed very quickly when they did. They changed very, very quickly. Things started lifting very, very quickly. But when you're in it, you think you're ne you never know just naturally. You think you're never getting out of it because it's just bad report, bad report, bad report, bad report, bad report, bad report, bad report. It's important in the middle of all of that to see beyond that. It's important to keep our eyes on what God's doing in our lives. See, every problem I face, it's like a fishing, you know, like... Casting the, 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 the rod. You cast it away out there be, beyond the problem. And you see beyond it. And you have something in the promises of God. That just every day you're winding out until you're coming out the other side of that. Sometimes it takes two years to come out. But I'm telling you, it's better than getting full of all of the fear in the middle of it. Go out beyond it and, and, and just keep our eyes on the prize. Praise God. Amen. Now, Nehemiah is not happy with the situation. Because people are being taken advantage of, losing everything out of their lives. And he's not happy. And it says here, then I consulted with myself. That's like he sat down and thought the whole thing through. He, thought, he processed this whole thing. And he went to the source here. He says, and I rebuked the nobles and the rulers and said unto them, you exact usury. That means they were exploiting the situation. You, ex you exact usually every one of his brother. And, and he, he give out to him for this here. In verse 9 it says, And, and, and I said, it is not good that, that, you, that you do. It's not a good thing that you are doing. 
Let me just look forward here to verse um, 11. And this is what we have been saying. Look in verse 11. This is Nehemiah speaking. You know, somebody has to say restore. Amen. Look at what he said. Restore, I pray you, to them even, look at that, even this day. Praise God. Amen. I would say that's a suddenly. Yeah, Amen. Even this day, look at this. Their lands, their vineyards, their olive yards, and their houses, also the hundredth part, that was the interest, and of the wine and the corn and the oil that you exact of them. And it says, And they said, We will restore them and will require nothing of them. And if you read on through, you'll see that Nehemiah, he just didn't take their word for it. Um, he got the priests to come and take a an oath from them that they were going to do exactly what they said. I would say this is restoration of everything. And I want you to know as you're going on after the things of God, there is, there is, there is seasons in life. There are, there are situations in life. Never lose track of Jesus in the middle of a situation. That's why the Bible says we're to look unto him the author and the finisher of our faith. We're to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Do you know what? You always have to have a, a point that you're focused on or else you'll be distracted. Something else will take his place. Yet the Bible lets us know as believers where we are to look. We're to look unto Jesus. The Bible lets us know to, to set our mind on things above. Amen? Set our, not, on thing, not on the things that we're seeing. Not on the temporal things. That are for a moment. We're to set our mind on eternal things. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Right in the middle of the storm. We have that place where we look to. Because here's the thing. He's the only one who can restore every situation in our lives. He's the only one who can bring you through. And bring you through even better than you went in. Amen. And so it's so important to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Never let anything take his place. Look you don't, you don't go through this life without um, having your... your um, your focus challenged without something else trying to take your gaze away. Every single one of us, we live in life. We live in this world. We all live in a body that has a flesh. We all live and we have feelings. We have emotions. We have all of these things. We, are, we do relationships with people. We get hurt. We have things. Every single one of us. It's all common to man. No matter what we face, it's common to man. It's not something new that has been thought up. The devil has the same tricks that he has been using right from the garden. Amen. But the answer is still the same. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Get the word in you. Hold fast to the word. Storms will blow over. Storms will go through. Amen. But here's the thing. We can in the middle of it cry restoration. No, it's, a, it's just coming to God and saying, God, I believe that you are restored. And I put faith in you, Lord God. I could get discouraged right now, but I choose the joy. I choose to rejoice. Instead of, you know, me being a car wreck right now, I choose, Lord God, that you can restore my life, that you can restore my peace, that you can restore and, and give me better than I ever had before. Amen? We've all had those opportunities 
to let things just walk out of her life. But you know what? We're not like that as believers. Amen. Believers who are full of the word. There's something in us. There's a tenacity that says, no way, devil. Amen. Or not in my house. Amen. Not in my house. Praise the Lord. Now, here's just a, a, a simple principle here, just as, as we go on this evening. You don't just get back what you lost when you believe God for restoration. You believe God for more. Amen. Now, sometimes we can, we can apply that to, like here. These were actual lands. Um, and all of, that, all of that, there was people lost their kids as well into slavery in that situation as well. They got that back, us relationships back. We see with the, the Shunammite woman, she lost her lands and stuff like that. But as I said, Jesus, when he came to restore, he came to restore people that, you know, had, had been um, brokenhearted, people that had been crushed by tragedy, all of those things we looked at last week, restore health. Amen. So when we think about this, it's not, it, it is um, finance. But it's also every area. It's like the woman with the issue of blood. Do you know what? She was made whole. That meant everything. Everything came back to her. Praise God. Do you know what? That's, I'll show you in a minute, hopefully. That's, that's what the, when the Bible talks about peace, peace. Shalom, shalom. You know what shalom, shalom means? Nothing missing, nothing broken. It's like, you know what? What's the point in having all the money in the world if you're an emotional wreck? That you can't go out through the door. Like this round people. That's not, that's, that's not living. Doesn't matter what kind of car you drive or what house you pull up. What's the point in going home at night and, and you're, you're just lonely? Well, I'm telling you, we've a God that never leaves us, never forsakes us. See, walking with God, is, he knows how to fix every area of our life. When something's been stolen... You know, that's where we kick in faith and say, you know what, I'm not living like that. God, you're a restorer. Amen. God, you can restore my joy. God, you can bring new friends into my life. God, God, you can bring new relationships into my life. You know, sometimes people get hurt by Christians and think they're the only Christians in the world. There's Christians all in the world or get hurt by a church and say, oh, you know what, I, I, I got hurt by a church and so I can't go on. And then when you meet them, they, they haven't been anywhere in God in years because they got hurt by a church or got hurt by some Christian. Let me tell you, if you go around with Christians, you'll be hurt by Christians. Somebody will hurt you. Somebody will say something to you that really hurts you or gets under your skin or takes you up wrong or misrepresents you. Takes what you said out of context. Boy, so if... if if we, if we got offended every time somebody misunderstood something was saved, whenever you preach, if somebody misunderstood, I wouldn't even preach anymore. It'd be that bent out of shape. Because every message you preach, somebody hears it to take up something wrong. You know, not us, we all know. But you know what? The messages go out and Facebook and CDs go out to people and there's people misunderstand what you mean when you say something. But you know, it's not going to stop me from preaching because you know what? I'm not going to focus on that. Amen. Amen. I'll never be in a church again. Oh, 
Praise God, I'm, I'm not missing out because somebody said something to me on the iron sharpens iron. Praise God. Praise God for the t-shirt. <laughs> iron sharpens iron. The worship, the fellowship, with being in the corporate anointing. Amen. Having the word taught to you. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Look at this with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus here for a moment. And I, again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this, but look at verse 1. It says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief among the publicans, which were the tax collectors, and he was rich. And when it says he was rich, I mean he was rich. He wasn't just rich. He was rich, rich. But the reason he was rich was because he was taking advantage of his own people again. He extorted the people. He, you know, see, the tax collectors, they were like the mafia of the day. You know, we've seen it here in the country where, you know, if somebody opens up a business, somebody comes and knocks the door and says, if you want your business to be here without burning down, you'll have to give us X amount of money every week. It's extortion. And you know the sad thing about it is, it comes from people many times in their own community. They come and say, if you don't pay X amount of money, you know what, there's a lot of people lighting fires at the minute. And really it's a threat. That's what, Zacchaeus was in that class, that kind of a, a bracket. But you know what, he became rich through collecting taxes, but then just not taking what was meant to be taken. Let me tell you, he took advantage of the people. And he ended up being very rich. Well, he has an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus changed his life. And you will always see when people um, have an encounter with Jesus. Let me tell you, when you get saved, your life changes. Even though you're saved on the inside, there's visible. It starts leaking out. You just can't help it. Jesus just starts leaking out. And I have found that when people get saved, one of the things you see in their life is God surgically removed tightness from them. Amen. That, that money, that hold that money had. I tell you, money's a God. The Bible says it's a God. And you can see many times the way people hold tight to money. That they, you see, if you hold tight to money, then it's showing that money is above God. Look, we all need, we all need money. Every single one of us need money in life. But there's a difference when people hold tight to it. They're, they can't let go. They're as tight as tight can be. Zacchaeus, he took advantage of people all for money. He didn't care that people hated him because tax collectors were hated. He didn't care as long as he was rich. See, his goal was to get rich. But then when Jesus came in, his heart changed, his heart softened. He became like the Grinch. You know what I mean? When the Grinch finally changed and his heart grew <laughs> three times bigger and he starts crying and I always laugh at that. It's my favorite scene in the Grinch when he says, I'm leaking. I just think that's class because he doesn't know what's going on. He's loving people he never loved before. There's a softness comes into him. That's because his heart changed. When we get saved, our heart changes, well, changes as well. That stony heart is taken out and a heart of flesh is put in. A heart that can feel. Now, here's the thing with Zacchaeus. You can see the change in this man's life um, because of his attitude towards money. And look at this here. I just want to bring out a point here. Verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man, by look at this, by false accusation. Let me tell you, God is not against people being rich. 
Amen. Sometimes people say, "Ask what it's, it's not talking about being rich here. Look, you, you, you can convince religious people in some circles that God wants you poor, but you'll have a hard time convincing a Jew that God wants you poor. Amen. You'll have a hard time. And then he says, and if, I, if I've taken anything from any man by false accusations, look at this, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation come to the house. For as much as he also was a son of Abraham, it was his faith here that saved him. For Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. It wasn't his money, it wasn't his action that saved him, but it was proof that something changed. You understand? It's not, giving money away doesn't save anyone. There's people that have, have given money away, give lands away, trying to get into heaven. You can't buy your way into heaven. You need Jesus. This man received Jesus. And just like Abraham became, uh, uh, became saved by faith, this man became saved by faith as well. But you've seen the change in his life. Because of his attitude towards money. But I want you to see that when he restored, look at what he restored fourfold. That's a principle through the Word of God. See, when you're, when, in the Bible, restoration just doesn't mean that you get back what was stolen. Restoration uh, is you get back more Amen. than what was taken from you. That's what I'm trying to show here. Amen. It depends what you want to believe for. You know, you, God will meet you at the point of faith. We're any of us. He meets us at our point of faith. We should believe God based on the word of God for not just restoration, but restoration with increase. Amen? I mean, I'll just show these couple of verses here and um, and you can take note of them and just even to have it here on, on the message, but Exodus 22 and verse 1 Again, this is this principle of restoration. You see that in these verses here. If a man shall steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore. That word restore there is the word shalem. It is the root word for shalom. Okay? And it, it means restitution, full restitution. Look at this here. He shall restore. Look at this here. Five oxen for an ox so if somebody stole one of your oxes you got five back for one ox amen or four for a sheep praise God amen only God can cause a situation where you were stolen from to actually work out better for you If a thief be found breaking up and, uh, and be smitten that he die, there shall be no blood shed for him. That's talking about somebody th stealing from you, wrecking your property. If the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him. For he shall make, look at this here, full restitution. Praise God. And, and you can go through all this. I don't want to go through everything. But look at this in verse 4. It says, if the thief be certainly found... Um, in his hand alive, whatever he's taken alive, whether it be an ox or a sheep um, or, or an ass, he shall restore double. So in other words, if he still has it in his possession, it's restored now double. If he's taken it and killed it or sold it, you know what he has to give back fivefold or fourfold. Mm -hmm. In other words, there's always increase. Yeah. 
Now, I, I could look through everything here and, and, and you see this principle the whole way through, but I want you to see, I think I've, yeah, I have, see all the where I've marked them out. Look at all them statements. He shall make restitution, surely make restitution. If a thief be found, he shall pay him double. You see the principle the whole way through. He, verse 9, he shall pay double unto his neighbor. Verse 12, if it be stolen from him, he shall make full restitution unto the owner. So there's times here where it's full restitution. There's times based on the situation. This was all about things being taken from you. And the laws here under the law were, it was based on how they handled the situation. Sometimes it was just given full restitution. Other times it was, you know, fivefold, fourfold, double. Amen. Leviticus 5, this had to do with the holy things, the things of the sanctuary, um, things to do with like the tithes and stuff like that there. And it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, If a soul commit a trespass and sin and ignorance in the holy things, and this was the things of God, then he shall bring for his trespass unto the Lord a ram. So there had to be a sacrifice for sin. There's only one sacrifice, praise God, for sin, not Jesus. But they were under the law. They had to bring a sacrifice for sin. But look at verse 16. And he shall make amends for the harm that he had done in the holy thing. And add a fifth part. A fifth part is a fifth of the whole. It's like if you had a, um, a bar of chocolate and it was broken into five. You'd have a fifth part. But it's, a, it's, it's, it's 20% of the whole. So really here you had, you had to make... Um, restitution which was a hundred percent but you had to add on a fifth part which was twenty percent so it ends up being a hundred and twenty percent it's just a mindset when we think restitution think better than before Amen. chapter six is saying the same thing and here this is a, a great portion of scripture you sh should take note of it and read through it yourself so, um, Leviticus sorry Leviticus 6 and, um, and you can see here, because this is concerning property, concerning things that belong to you, and how people, you know, um, treat the things that belong to you. Even if you lend something, there's all of these kind of things. You can see what people did with property. And, um, but you see again all of this here, where someone um, stealing from you or taking advantage of you and all of those kind of things. But you see again this principle, verse 5, And all um, about which he has sworn falsely, he shall even restore in the principle, that's the whole, and he shall add a fifth part. God's in the business of restoration. But not just restoration, restoration with increase. Amen. Restoration with increase. And praise God, I'll finish with this this evening. A famous verse that we all know. Over in Proverbs 6. And what it's talking about here is, in the context here, it's talking about adultery in the context and what it's showing here is, you know, if somebody, um, if somebody sleeps with someone, well, a husband or a wife, what it's saying is there's, there's not a gift that would ever, like, pay off the damage that was done. You understand? It doesn't matter. It says no matter how many gifts are given, 
it can never undo the damage that was done. See, in our world today, you know, sex is just treated like it's just sex. It's not just sex. There's more to it. And it's glorified in our world. And it's glorified in every program. And, and you know, and, and I tell you, you see, see the older, the older I get, the more I see it, the more I see the damage that it does whenever um, it's not done in the right confines. You know, I, I, the older I get. I can see it. I can see why God put it in marriage, what it's for. Because of the damage that it can do to people, to minds, to emotions, to marriages, to kids. I tell you, God loves people and that's why he hates seeing people getting hurt. But you know what? The world glorifies it. The world doesn't care about the damage that it does. Because of Satan at the root of it just trying to destroy people's um, worth of themselves to where they're reduced to just a, a lump of meat. And Satan hates the family. He hates the family because it's, it's, God instituted the family. But here's the thing, there's no, you know, see, because many times people have, and even believers have committed sexual sins and different things, just like in um, 1 Corinthians. You know what, there, in my experience, I've never met a perfect person, okay? <laughs> and I've never met the perfect Christian. And a lot of Christians have done things wrong or have been get stuck in a vulnerable situation and didn't do anything to take back that situation. But here's the thing. Do you see, a gift, a natural gift, can never fix the situation. But I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus can. Amen. Amen. That's, that's the key. Only the blood of Jesus. Only Jesus can restore broken hearts. Only Jesus can truly mend what has been broken. Do you know what? I've seen marriages that should be finished. But God put them back together because the people looked to God and asked God to help them. They looked at their kids and thought, God, what a mess this is. And you know what, God, I, I, we just ask you to help us. Help us fall in love again. Help us fix this situation. I've seen relationships be back better than they ever were. God can restore relationships. God can restore mindsets. But gifts don't. Somebody sleeping with someone and then coming and saying, oh, I'm sorry for that. You know, there's a new car. That car will never fix the problem. Amen. But Jesus can. Mm -hmm. Now, in the context of it, this is what it's saying here. It's saying here, um, men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he's hungry. Look at this. But he, if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. In other words, if a thief steals because he's hungry or whatever, it can be sorted because stuff can fix stuff. You understand? It can be sorted. But here's the principle again. He still has to make full restitution, but it's still sevenfold return in this situation. Let me tell you, God is in the business of getting back for us what was stolen from us. And I'm telling you, if you can recognize the, the thief, Satan, anything that he's stolen from your life, just don't let him walk out the door with it. <laughs> don't let him just walk out with stuff out of your life. 
can tell you, or not acknowledge, but um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, recognize what is happening. Recognize I've been stolen from here. And start putting your faith in motion. And saying, I'm, thank God that Jesus, you came to make restitution in my life. You restore that which you took not away. Praise God. And I thank you for restoration in every area of my life. And Lord, because you're so good, you're an overflow God. I'm believing God for restitution. If it's our emotions, restitution in my emotions. I'm telling you, I'm not going to be a rack for the rest of my life. I'm going to joy. I'm going to rejoice. Amen. I'm, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to have better relationships in the future. Praise God. I've, I've seen it even for, for ministry. I've seen it. I've seen it in ministry. I've seen God restore in ministry. And only God can do it. God's in the business of restoration. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching by Paul Drury. Our vision at Life Source Ministries is to reveal Jesus' love and grace to all generations. To stay up to date with the ministry, like Life Source Ministries on social media or visit our Facebook page. Contact us with any questions. Or if you would like Paul to minister for you, email lifesourceministries1 at gmail.com. That is Lifesource Ministries, followed by the number one at gmail.com.